Welcome to Education Today, where we'll explore what is possible in education today by covering everything from cool tech to sound pedagogy infused with teacher stories, sprinkled with a little fun, and filled with inspiration from around the globe. I'm your host, Scott Nunes, and this is Education Today. Welcome to Education Today. I'm your host, Scott Nunes, and I have the pleasure of sharing my good friend, Evan Robb, with you. He's presently the principal of Johnson Williams Middle School in Berryville, Virginia. He has over 20 years of experience serving as a building-level principal, and prior to that, like myself, he was an ELA teacher, but also a department chair and assistant principal. I want to highlight that Evan is the recipient of the Horace Mann Educator of the Year Award. He's a TEDx speaker. You can follow him on Twitter at E-Rob, R-O-B-B, Principal. And don't forget to check out his blog at therobreviewblog.com. And he's a prolific author. He has four books out. He has Team Makers with Dave Burgess, School Full of Readers by Benchmark Publishing. He has The 10-Minute Principle, and he has The Principle's Leadership Sourcebook. Evan, welcome to Education Today. How are you? Scott, thank you so much. Thank you for that very generous uh, introduction. Makes me tired when I hear it all. Really appreciate uh, the fact that we can connect and I can be a part of your podcast. You know, I enjoy our connection and look forward to having a conversation today. I'm really excited. Uh, Just this last week, I listened to your podcast with Josh Stamper on the Aspire podcast. Such a good one. Make sure uh, if you're not checking out the Aspire podcast, folks, that you give Josh Stamper some love and give him a listen. It's a great podcast. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. What I really liked about that one was how intentional you are with your staff and how inclusive you are. Can you talk about relationship building with your staff and how you do that? Well, I think, you know, there's certain foundations that that are important for leadership positions, um, whether it's in education or or business or or in any particular field. And I'm a big believer that relationships and um, and creating trust within your organization are necessary in order for other things to happen. So it's this kind of this concept of what what conditions need to be created within the organization so people feel more professional or people are more inclined to take risks to be creative and to be innovative. And so it requires some intentionality, some discipline to work on investing the time in order to make those kind of connections with people. You know, it's easy, sometimes in jobs, especially in admin jobs, it's easy to get so bogged down with uh, with things that, you know, there's a separation between uh, the administrator and teachers or administrators and families and kids. And, uh, you know, my style is always to make sure that that the administrator, in this case myself, is really investing time to get to know people on a deeper level other than just you know, an employee and, uh, and build those connections that allow people to feel empowered to be better at what they do. 
you do a great job of that. The image that comes to mind is this graphic I, I've seen for years. I don't know who created it or where it comes from, but it, it shows a guy sticking his his arm forward um, and he's leading the troops by kind of being on the front line. And I, I think to a lot of the History Channel videos I've been watching lately on the Roman Empire and the great generals and leaders of uh, that empire were those who were um, kind of amongst the everyday people. And they had these very intentional relationships and they led by example. And I think you do a fantastic job of doing that. How, how do you do that so confidently? Where does that come from? I think, you know, that that's, it takes time. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the problems in my opinion, with administration, educational administration across the country, is the turnover is very high. You know, the average amount of time that people are in principal positions is is small. I'm definitely on the more unusual side, being uh, in this position basically for my entire right. career. Um, so what happens sometimes is people don't have enough time to become really good at something. And uh, you know, I'm a big believer in some of the the stuff that. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about this whole concept of 10,000 hours that, you know, it takes about that long to become an expert at something. So part of the challenge is people aren't in the business, in the job long enough to become an expert. And that's a problem. So you become better at something when you have done it long enough that you have some confidence in what you're doing. Um, And to have confidence in what you're doing and and to really bring intentionality into your leadership, you need to have a good understanding of who you are and what you believe in, because you can't be effective working with or leading other people if you don't know what you believe in and you don't know who you are as a leader. And that is not something that can be rushed. That's the, a journey and part of the journey that, that people go on when, when they work on their leadership. So the better that you have an understanding of who you are and what you believe in, the better you can communicate that. And hopefully then the better that you can demonstrate that your actions and decisions are consistent with the words that you say. And that's something that needs to be demonstrated over time because people don't necessarily believe something when they see it one time. They have to see it repeated over time. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as the, the leader and the organization has a better understanding of what they believe in, so the individual and then the collective whole, then there's an opportunity to bring people into the organization who have consistent beliefs with the organization. And that starts creating a ripple effect where you know, culture is impacted, culture changes. And um, in, the, in the case of the style that I like to bring to a building, a place where people feel empowered, where relationships are valued, where trust is something that's important. And there is an understanding that all of those things allow people to be better professionals and um, and do their job better for kids. Wow, you've given us so much there. A couple things I want to touch on. First, uh, bringing up Malcolm Gladwell and Outliers. <laughs> I love that. Uh, in fact, I share a small excerpt of Outliers with my sophomores and really advocate for...
Pokemon Masters because we played that game so much uh, <laughs> with the intention to get better. So I, I keep it a little light there too and show them really that they can become masterful, but they have to become intentional with where they're placing their energies and their efforts. And uh, if it is an academic subject, then they'll become better. Like if they're weak in an area, if they spend time and take those risks and keep trying and uh, get the tools and supports they need, they will kind of cross this threshold into mastery. But it takes time and getting them to see that is tricky. How do you encourage people to cross that threshold into mastery in the classroom? Well, I probably do a lot of what you share with your students. You know, I, I think it's really impactful to help share stories to people about uh, different examples that they may know within their life that, uh, that have led to mastery. And so that's something that I, you know, talk about a lot. You know, there's a lot of value in story also. And so I'm um, helping people understand yes. uh, change and, and how they can impact them through story is very important. And then, you know, teachers, you know, so, but teachers need to feel that way within themselves for them to be able to inspire the same within kids. So if, if an educator believes that they can become better at something through intentional practice, coaching, and mentoring, they are more likely to communicate the same to kids. But of course, the opposites act absolutely true also, and we don't want that to happen. So what are the conditions that need to be created that people understand that they need to work at something to get better at it? And, you know, there are other things that come into play that, 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 are, that confuse the waters a little bit. Some of it has to do with natural talent. Uh, but inherently, I do believe that anyone can get better with good intentional coaching and good intentional practice. You know, I can become a reasonably good piano player if I practice piano, uh, but I'm not going to win the Van Cliburn uh, piano competition because to do that requires a gift, you know, a certain level of talent, uh, a, a certain level of uh, innate, innate talent that you're just born with. But everyone can get better through good practice. And that's an important uh, culture to have within an organization because, again, it, it parallels hopefully between what the leader is demonstrating, uh, what teachers are encouraged to do, and then in turn, what they are encouraged to bring into their classroom for students. I like that you brought up that piece about natural talent. I can just think about myself in terms of athletics and natural talent. So with running and wrestling, I'm more naturally gifted and I didn't have to work as hard. Like the, the starting point was much higher for both of those sports. Whereas with swimming and water polo, I was like bottom of the barrel. I was definitely the slowest guy. And so the journey to get better in that sport took a bit longer and it was a lot of uh, sweat, had a lot of sweat equity. <laughs> but you learn from that. And that helps you become better at what you do. You know, so I can give you a, a, here's an interesting example. You and I both know the value of self-care, especially during this time of remote learning. I mean, re remote learning for, for, um, for our jobs. 
one of the things, because I could not have access to the gym that I used to work out and it's closed. So I thought, okay, I want to do something that I would not normally do. And I'm going to build that into my day. So I chose running and uh, I'm not a good runner. But what I can tell you is when I first started going 400 feet was uncomfortable. And, you know, I can go for 45 minutes now. You know, I'm not going to break, <laughs> I'm not going to set any records. <laughs> uh, but, but I have, again, I've, what I've learned and what I've, what I've been able to show myself is that with intentional practice and with consistency and working on something, I can get better. And I need to, so, you know, what do you learn from that? And how can you apply that to your professional life? How can you apply it to uh, what you communicate to other people? And then how can teachers, you know, apply that same kind of thinking to kids? Those are important lessons. And uh, I'm going to back up and talk about uh, the school culture and building community. You do a great job of that, not just in person, but online as well. I'm seeing you build your community on Twitter and now LinkedIn. Every day I'm seeing a new post from you and it's something different than what you have on Twitter. And it's really towards a different audience. How do you kind of um, stay on brand, on message across all of these platforms, but leverage each one individually? I think what's what I what's important for me is to make sure that I have some key kind of tenets to you know the core message that I want to communicate. So you know I want to be uplifting. I want to be positive. I want to communicate hope and optimism. Uh, I want to uh, share information that that can help people grow or, or information that that's helped me grow. And so that's the most important thing for us is to kind of figure out what your core message is. So if you follow my Twitter feed, you're not going to see me put out something that I'm really excited that so-and-so won a golf tournament last Saturday. Um, you know, I like golf and those are things that, you know, I, I certainly have a life outside of Twitter and LinkedIn, but within those, those mediums, I am very consistent with what I communicate within a certain pocket. And uh, so, so that's helped, that's helped out a lot. Because ultimately, all the, so it all has to do with, you know, with with culture, and that definitely relates to the culture in, in the building. So you're so if you want to build this kind of reputation online, you want to communicate something consistently over time that represents who you are. Now, if you're in a building, culture is created by what you as the leader, but also your team, consistently practice and communicate day in and day out over time. It creates culture. If you don't do it with intentionality, it's going to happen on its own. And when it happens on its own, it's typically not good. You know, if you're flippant with your social media, no one is going to be able to look at your at your Twitter feed and figure out who you are or what you're about. And I think that people should be able to do that. You should be able to look at anyone's Twitter feed and say, okay, I have a good understanding of who this person is and what they're, what they're about. And then hopefully if you meet them, you'll see that there's actually some real consistencies between what they're sharing and, and who they are. So again, it all comes back to, to this whole idea of intentionality and repeating things that you want, that you want to see uh, results in. I like this idea of uh, repetitions with intentionality, like just repeating it time and time again, having that same consistent voice and message no matter where you are so that people really know who you are, what you stand for, and 
linking up with a little bit about what you talked about too with with the school culture and with building a school for site culture uh doing that intentionally um how do you kind of seek out those people from the admin perspective when you're interviewing how do you decipher whether someone is going to be a good fit for your school culture or community that's challenging you know because an interview is not a natural way for people to communicate and uh so one of the things that 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 i like to do is spend spend some real time in trying to understand where someone is philosophically um, versus maybe uh, a nuts and bolts kind of question so you know a nuts and bolts question may be uh something like okay tell me what happens in your class from the moment kids walk in to when they leave. So th- there's some sequence to that kind of question. But philosophical questions give you a little more insight into who, what someone believes in. Um, so grading is a really good example of doing that. And I think there's certain avenues that you can go down with people about grading and assessment that give insight into who they are and what they believe in. And so I do a lot of digging into those kind of questions. Because one of the things that I want to demonstrate within my organization is a belief in continuous improvement, a belief in hope, a belief that uh, learning is flexible and it's ever-changing, and that holding someone's past transgressions against them in the end, in this case, a culminating grade, don't make a lot of sense. So I'm looking for flexibility, you know, growth mindset, and people that are willing to think a little bit differently about things that starts having a big, a big impact on culture. You know, what I would say, you know, the other thing is when, when interviewing, I always like to spend some time talking about the things that I believe in again, because there needs, you know, a working relationship, there needs to be some, uh, you have to understand each other to some degree. I don't want, no one's going to want to work for me who's very rigid and, uh, you know, very, who's really scalar, who's very rigid, that just wants to be told what to do all the time that's not a good fit for me at all. Uh, so I need to gauge who people are and want them to understand who I am and, and see ultimately if, it, if it's potentially going to be a good fit. I think that's really important. And to add, from the teacher perspective or being on the, the opposite end, um, I very much feel that the interview is kind of like a date. You really need to not just share about yourself, but you need to inquire about uh, the other party involved and also do some homework, you know, figure out what that culture is like before you go to the interview, figure out what that district is like before you apply, look at their websites, look at their social media, uh, look at any of the community articles about that school site or district and get a fill and ask those questions, ask about the culture, maybe even ask to visit a site and see the culture firsthand. Yeah, I think that's really important. I I think that, you know, a good way to find yourself miserable is to spend your, um, your working, working hours in a job where you do not feel you fit in well with the culture of your organization. Uh, you'll never become good that way, and uh, it'll be bad for all for all parties. So it's it is important to make sure that you're on the same page philosophically, culturally with the organization. Uh, you know as much as you know, the you know the, the specific skills that someone might be bringing bringing to a job. And as we close, what would be some advice for educators and admin? 
an advice that I would have for admin is uh, that it's important to realize and understand that just because you have received through whatever circumstances, you know, or earned a particular position, that that does not give you um, power. That there is positional authority, which does give people the ability to make people do things, but you'll never build commitment through use of positional authority. So my advice is, how can you use your position to build commitment? Because from commitment will come all of those things, you know, culture, relationships, trust, uh, th that can help make your organization effective. And, uh, and that's challenging. You know, and I guess the other piece that I would say is um, you have to pack up your personal um, ego and insecurities and put them in your pocket and realize that just because you have a title, uh, you are not necessarily the smartest person in the room. Uh, you bring a certain set of skills to a building, but work with your team and tap into the skills and strengths of your entire team and your collective whole will be so much better. Now, some, a, a piece of advice that I would share with, with teachers is uh, never underestimate the importance and the power of building relationships with your kids and also the belief that you have in your students. You know, I can go down the research road and talk about John Hattie and work on efficacy, you know, personal efficacy and collective efficacy, but it is incredibly impactful um, in the lives of kids. And I guess the other piece of advice, I share this with my staff too sometimes, is, you know, be really quick. I mean, don't be quick to, uh, to judge kids and make um, broad sweeping declarations of what their future might look like because of how they are acting in your classroom. Uh, because if there's one thing that you learn over time in this field is you simply never know. And uh, someone who may be giving you a hard time may grow up to be an incredibly successful person. And then the other piece that I would share is um, as time moves on and um, years go by or even decades go by, uh, the kids that teachers have the ability to work with and impact on a daily basis will not remember the multiple choice tests that they were given. Uh, they're not going to remember particular assignments, <laughs> uh, but they will remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. So we should really strive to build a culture of inclusion and positivity in the classroom and at our sites um, and make folks feel safe and welcome when we're doing what we do. It's really important. Absolutely. You know, it's important at the teacher level and it's critical at the principal level because if the principal is not communicating that, modeling that day in and day out, uh, it becomes almost impossible for that to happen in a classroom and teachers deserve better and so do kids. You're absolutely right. Thank you again, Evan, for being on. And one more time for the listeners, make sure you're following Evan Rob on Twitter at Rob principal and check out his blog sorry i lost it um, uh you can check out my blog at the robreviewblog.com thank you so much <laughs> absolutely thank you for listening to education today it is my pleasure to share with you all let's stay connected on twitter you can find me at Mr. Noons Teach. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the play.
player of your choice and give Education Today a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Remember everyone, out here in this field of education, it's grind time.